2: To the Rock Chalk Talk podcast, I'm your host Andy Mitz. I'm joined today by Mike Plank. How are you doing tonight, Mike?
1: Well, Andy, I'm doing pretty good. How about
2: yourself? I'm doing pretty good. We we're going to be joined by uh, special guest Jill dorsey Hall here in just a little bit. But uh, um, before we get to that, let's go ahead and wrap up. We we didn't have an episode uh, earlier this week. I I was a little sick, and we uh, you know didn't really get an opportunity to get to get that recorded. So let's wrap up what we saw in the Iowa state game um, and then talk a little bit about the, the the TCU game that's coming up. So, um, you know, really, I think everybody has kind of dissected the the massacre that we had as much as possible. There's not really a lot, I think, to take away from that game um, other than I guess maybe the surprising performance by the defense and the absolutely abysmal performance by the offense and special teams. Um, Anything, I mean, other than that that you kind of want to say about that performance on, on Saturday? I think it's easier to
1: talk about what we didn't see uh, at Iowa State than to just talk about what we, what we did see. Um, or, or at least to start with that, because what we didn't see was, uh, you know, players being put in positions to be successful. Uh, what we didn't see was uh, good play calling. You know, we had another fourth and one where we tried to line up and go off tackle again, and it didn't work against Texas Tech. Why do you think it's going to work against Iowa State? Uh, I mean, so, you know, it's, and we didn't see good special teams play. How many times did we snap the ball over the punter's head? I think three times, maybe. Um, we fumbled a couple more uh, punts on the receiving end, and it's just—I mean, it was just terrible. So when you kind of start at it there and and look at it, then what we did see was a continuation of, of I mean, what we've seen all year—just uh, you know, just getting worse and culminating in not even crossing midfield until Iowa state put their backups in. It was just, I mean, every time, (laughs) every time Kansas, I think we can't go any lower, uh, you know, Kansas football says,
2: hold my beer. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think what I ended up seeing was it almost seemed like we reverted back to last year where we had a defense that was at least passable And we had some guys that were making some big plays on defense, but in offense they couldn't do anything. And then the 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 special teams—I don't know where that came from at all. I mean, last year we had a decent special teams group, um, and this year, you know, we weren't expecting any kind of big downgrades, and they just completely blew up, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it. I mean, yeah, all the all the gaps they had. I mean, I'm just—I'm not sure where any of that came from, and it makes me wonder. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about how. Meacham essentially was the only, you know, coach where we can evaluate, in in, in terms of coaching, we can evaluate for play calling and other things like that. He was the only one that seemed to at least be competent um, with an offense that was moving. You know, the offense wasn't really the problem, but I don't know what it was about Iowa state. That's so different. Like I can't think of anything about the team that would say, Oh, well, they're just so much better than the, the teams we have been playing, you know, to explain why we didn't have any kind of success from them. Um, I don't even necessarily know that coaching, though, was the issue for those units. It looked like the guys just forgot how to play. Like they, you know, put so much pressure on themselves that they just freaked out in the moment, which is not something I would expect at all. I don't know, though, you know, without seeing something like that in multiple weeks, I don't know that we can say that that's on the coaching staff. It's almost like the team put so much pressure on themselves that they just freaked out in the moment.
1: Um, I mean, I guess I don't understand how that's not a reflection of the coaching staff,
2: though. Well, I mean, I, I think it could be if we see it multiple weeks, because then it's like, oh, well, the coaching staff, you know, isn't doing what they need to do to put these guys in good positions. But if it's, if it's just a one-week aberration where, we, you know, we come back next week and the special teams plays really or pretty well and the offense is, you know, doing their normal, you know, their normal putting up, you know, 20 to 30 points and, and looking at least competent then I think it's it could possibly be fair to say that, look, something just, something, you know, a freak occurrence happened, and it spiraled out of control, and everybody just, you know, got into the hype, essentially, uh, kind of in a bad way. You know, the, the just everybody let it affect them, and everything spiraled out of control, and we had this huge disaster. If we get a lot of those sorts of plays this week, though, then I think it's fair to say, look, you know, something that they did changed, and this team just is not adapting well, and, and we can – you know, use that as an indictment against the coaches. I'm not I'm not willing to throw what Meacham's done this year under the bus because, you know, of what could potentially have just been someone freaking out and nobody really be able to handle it. So um, that being said, you know, it won't – it has to be a, a, a drastic improvement this week, even though we are playing a much better opponent in TCU, for me to not, um, you know, give any kind of blame to the coaching staff there. So I guess – I mean, I can't really think of – very much good to come out of that Iowa State game. Um, other than, I mean, the defense played better. We had to, we had some guys playing at least pretty well on defense, but with an offense that couldn't move the ball at all, you know, it, it made it really hard for them to really sustain anything. And we saw that in the final score. I mean, other, other than maybe that, you know, minor improvement, can you think of anything else that could good to come out of the game other than, Um, You know, I saw a whole lot more people jumping on the Fire Zinger bandwagon this week. Um, I think that might be the only positive we can say that comes out of that game.
1: Yeah, and I don't even know that I'm going to allow myself to get excited about the defense yet because, I mean, Southeast Missouri State is the only other team that they've held under 400 yards of total offense this year. So we don't even know if this is a one-game aberration yet or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and they've played the easiest part of their schedule too. Like it, it only gets harder from here. So, I mean, you, you hold another team or two under 400 yards, then maybe you can say, yeah, the defense improved over the course of the season. But I mean, it's, we obviously had much higher expectations for the defense coming into this year, despite, or at least I did, despite all the new starters in the secondary, just because we knew we had some Good talent at four or five positions, and and it's just not manifesting. But I, I guess the potential for it to do so is there. But I I'm in full wait and see mode now. Like I just oh yeah I, I I've had too much Kool Aid in my life. I can't handle the hangovers
2: anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that you know positive coming out of the defense, as in oh, we should all believe that they're gonna you know turn it around and be good from here on out, or at least decent. But I mean that was oh, yeah, the yeah. only place where we saw any kind of improvement, and it wasn't. You know, I, I kind of felt in terms of that performance, like I did about a lot of the defensive performances last year, where they started out fairly well and looked like they were going to put in a good showing, but with absolutely no support from the offense. Obviously, they were just going to wear out by the end of the year or by the yeah. by the end of the game. That was a right, small yeah, I type you. of performance, but based on what we've seen in the you know the previous five games, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not in any illusion that you know they're going to magically turn it on and be a competent defense for the rest of the year um, outside of, you know, just wearing down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would have to see them do something like that consistently and see some of our, our, you know, guys like Dorrance Armstrong and Daniel Wise and them get after the quarterback and actually be successful, you know, for multiple games before I'm going to say, Oh, well, look, the defense is playing better. And, 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 in some way, I almost don't want the defense to play better over the course of the season because, you know, if if they start to improve, that's going to get chalked up to, hey, look, David, Bo-, you know, Bowen figured it out. I'm sorry, Clint. <laughs> Not David. Gosh, I'm, like, meshing all of the coaching staff together at this point. Clint, Clint Bowen could potentially, you know, be talked about as a guy, oh, well, look, he, he figured it out. They improved as the year went on. We just had some really bad luck trying to bring in all these new guys. I don't think that's it at all. And, you know, if we get some market improvement at this point, he's going to get a lot more credit for that than I think he would possibly you know, deserve at, in any case at all. So, But, yeah, I mean, this week, you know, we actually, which something I never thought I would ever say, we welcomed Tom Keegan back to uh, link, being linked in the uh, news and notes, um, mainly because, you know, he was talking about and jumping on the Firezinger bandwagon, although he, he did, uh, you know, caveat that heavily with a, oh, well, they've got to get blown out by TCU uh, and then get blown out in their next game as well. I don't right. I mean, I, I, I wish that wasn't the case, but I think he's probably right that for the vast majority of the fan base, we would have to have two absolutely abysmal performances coming up before, you know, most of the fan base would jump on the, on the bandwagon there. But, you know, as, as as probably the two of the guys that have been beating that, that drum, the heaviest, um, you know, I, I think it was nice to start to see some people come around. I don't know. I mean, like I said before, I think that might be the only good thing to come out of that game. Do you do you agree with that?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a positive, I think. Uh, and, uh, it's, I mean, it's the only one that we can really point to. And I would just like, you know, to clarify real quick that, um, you know, I may have linked a couple of Keegan articles, but that doesn't mean everything he writes is going to get linked. So well, let's of just, course, of course. Let's just pump the brakes so He's still on probation.
2: Well, right, but considering it was an <laughs> man, even though you know he wrote some things that I might have agreed with, there was never a thought to bring him on. But something like that—it's um, sure. coming from everywhere, and, and uh, you know, glad glad to see that that everybody is starting to to come around on it. Um, yeah, no, yeah, and if, if anybody
1: listening is confused right now, well, all you need to do is go to Google, type in. Uh, what was the name? of it? Dear Tom Keegan Rock Chalk Talk. Just Google those six words, and that should pop right up for you, and you can read that, and, you, and you'll know why. You'll know what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes, too, so they can find it. There, there you go. Quicker. Okay. All right, well, we just have a few more minutes before it's time to, to get in touch with Jill here. So let's uh, look ahead to the TCU game. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a shock to say that neither of us really expect anything. I mean, TCU is a top – basically a top 30 offense and defense, um, you know, they're ranked really highly right now. They're the only undefeated team left in the big 12. I mean, I, I'm not seeing, even though we have a really interesting history with them where we seem to play them close um, all the time, you know, I'm not seeing any way that we keep this one close.
1: Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's funny because we've said that each in the last five years too. So, true. Uh, but I mean, if Kansas is on the downward spiral that we all, and we all think it is, like there, there's no way that this game is within seven touchdowns. I mean, it's just it's going to be a
2: massacre. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's pretty much all that we're really looking at there. I mean, the the, the defense has played really well. The offense has played, you know, phenomenally for TCU. I mean, there's legitimate talk now that if the Big 12 is going to have a national or a, a, a playoff representative it's probably going to be TCU they'll have to beat Oklahoma for that to happen um I mean you know seeing Oklahoma lose to Iowa State uh state losing obviously uh to TCU um you know Texas Tech lost to Oklahoma State like everybody else is beating up on each other TCU is the only one that's been able to come through and skate and and to be honest I mean I, I don't see anyone other than maybe you know Texas Tech if they get hot and and you know their defense can slow them down a little bit, or maybe Oklahoma coming in and reexerting their dominance on the Big 12 again. I mean, I'm just not seeing a team that matches up very well with TCU right now. So, um, yeah, I think I think Oklahoma's the
1: only other Big 12 team that has even an outside shot at the playoff right yeah. now, uh, just because they have the best win out of anybody at Ohio State. Sure. Uh, I mean, TCU has the win at Arkansas. But how how good is Arkansas this year? And, yeah. and they're the last undefeated team. So. TCU definitely has the inside track, but uh, I think Oklahoma State, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma still
2: has an outshot, outshot. Yeah, I mean, and and it may be a better shot than I'm giving them credit for. If if they were the ones, if if they beat an undefeated TCU team, and that was the only loss for TCU, um, I think that that probably would be you know. And, and Oklahoma didn't lose. Uh, right. Yeah, they'd
1: obviously have to win
2: out. Yeah. They, well, and and the other thing I think we're forgetting about is that there's the Big Twelve Championship too. Um, so that would be a game where Oklahoma and TCU, most likely, in at least in this scenario, would be matched up against each other to play again. Um, right. To, to TCU has the uh, um,
1: head-to-head over Oklahoma State.
2: Right. So that could, you know, that could cause some issues um, in terms of, you know, if if they play each other twice and one of the teams, or and if they split, that would cause a lot of confusion. I think it would cause a lot of. It would definitely hurt the chances. I think to get a team in, in the playoffs. And it would definitely make it impossible for both teams to get in, I think, at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing any way that Kansas really keeps this one close. And I know we've said that before, and, you know, we've been within within a touchdown or a lot of times within a field goal that, in, in terms of that game. I'm just I'm just not seeing how Kansas is going to be able to do anything. That offense is going to pick us apart. That defense is going to, um, yeah, it's just going to completely, um, I mean, it's, it's going to baffle our offensive line, I think. We're not going to really get anything going. Um, I'm 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 expecting us to lose. I haven't even looked at the line yet. I was too busy trying to see just how good TCU was. But uh, yeah, I'm not expecting any kind of a close game at all. Kansas is probably once again going to lose. Um, well, they're not even going to score as many points as the line is. I'm I'm guessing, and they're going to lose by a ton.
1: Yeah, it opened at 37. It's up to 39. The last I checked. And, I mean, some people might say, well, you know, does Doug Meacham give us an edge since he came from TCU? But I would almost argue in the opposite way that TCU's defense is going to know Doug Meacham better and they're going to be able to game plan for what he is going to try to do. So I just – I think it's going to be another rough day for whoever we have a quarterback, Uh, and I think it's going to be based on – the way our defense has played the majority of the year, I think it's gonna be a long day for them too. I mean, this one could be over by the first quarter. I mean, it could be bad. Yeah, I
2: mean, gosh, I, I mean I could see us being down by, you know, twenty one or twenty eight by the end of the first quarter, just with how quickly yeah, exactly. and how quickly we can, you know, give the ball back to them. So uh, you know, it's not gonna be pretty. I'm not really and and, you know, what's gonna make it even worse is the fact that it's on in prime time. I'm just baffled by that decision to put it in prime. Time. Um, it, it's
1: got to have something to do with the, yeah I don't know if the big 12 or Fox or somebody wanting to get TCU in the spotlight and say, Hey, look at TCU. They're really good. You should consider them for
2: the final four. Well, I think it's that. And I think it's also just the storyline of Meacham was at TCU last year. And so now he's, you know, coming back to face his old team. Um, I mean, <laughs> probably the worst kind of way that you could do that, but, that's got to be I think the only the only angle that would put it at that point, so, yeah, the spread is up to thirty eight and a half points now, um, and obviously in favor of TCU the over under is fifty eight and a half points so what that's, so what they're saying is they're expecting he's going to cover that by themselves, right. I'm expecting TCU to score more than the over, and I'm expecting Kansas to score you know less than twenty points, which is the difference between like <laughs> when you take into account the spread and the over under. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely have to go with that route. So, all right, I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot left to talk about football, or more that we want to talk about football. So let's, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Joe, uh, Joe Dorsey Hall, um, on the line. We're going to go ahead and talk a little bit of KU volleyball. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Uh, Mike, Mike, and I are joined now, uh, Jill Dorsey Hall, uh, vo- volleyball commentator and obviously friend of the site. We've we've talked with her a few times in uh, text interviews, but uh, we we definitely wanted to uh, go ahead and get her on the podcast. How are you doing tonight, Jill?
0: I'm amazing. It's a beautiful fall day, fall afternoon in, in Kansas. I can't complain.
2: Yeah, I wish I could say that I was experiencing the same thing, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not in Kansas anymore. But yeah, Uh, you know,
0: it's
2: it's (laughs) cooling down. I think at this point over there, right?
0: It is nice. The the leaf foliage is starting, and the Jayhawk volleyball team went in the Waco last night. Came, I think, one of their most dominating uh, victories of the year. So all good in Jayhawk Nation.
2: Yeah, I was definitely surprised to see that result. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but uh they they won in straight sets in very dominating fashion um i was a little surprised especially after the way that that texas match turned out
0: um yeah i I thought they regrouped themselves extremely well i mean they had a week to prepare that's the luxury of the the big 12 schedule you play wednesday saturday format which you know the big 10 they do it differently Pac 12 does it as well they group them together more on the weekend so it's back to back but I've talked to a lot of Big 12 coaches, and they love the style of the Big 12 in and, and that you can have a little bit more rest. Granted, there's some that would say that it doesn't help when it comes to NCAA tournament time because you have to play back-to-back on the weekend format. But I thought Kansas used it to their advantage. They got refocused. And this team plays better with a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, I know they're defending Big 12 champions, but when they won it last year, they felt like they had something to prove. And I think that loss to Texas, as crazy as it sounds, you know, like lit something in within them. And they were um, incredible last night. I think they played all around tremendous volleyball. I don't think Baylor was on their A game, but Kansas played in every aspect extremely well.
2: Yeah, I mean, is is that something that they've kind of been missing the last few weeks? I mean, I, I know after they they had that that tough loss to Santa Clara uh, in their, you know, that, that mm-hmm. weekend before Big 12 play started, you know, it seemed like they were just having trouble putting teams away that they probably should have been putting away pretty simply. Um, and, you know, if if you just watch them, they kind of seemed to be having some miscommunication issues and just kind of all over mm-hmm. the place. Do, do you think that that's what it was, that they were kind of missing that, that, that chip on their shoulder that, that helped them to focus or, or was there something else going on? I
0: think so. I, I also think it takes teams to evolve through, through a year on just their identity. You know, like what is our identity this year? And now it's a very senior veteran heavy team. I mean, this, this core of seniors has evolved from being freshmen, let's just go out here, anything goes, let's see what we can do to that sophomore, obviously, when they were made it to the final four. And I'm talking about the big you know, the big ones we always talk about with Havili as the setter, the All American setter, Rigdon on the outside, and then Payne, all all Americans, right, for the Jayhawks. And obviously you, you have to mention Addison Berry's now serving specialist, Tori Miller, who was out great last night and did a lot of the intangibles that they need to be successful, kept a lot of balls alive. And I think they're just now figuring their their team chemistry out a little bit this year they've had some transfers come in I think they've settled most recently on Machioki on the on the middle who you know with Zoe Hill super dynamic middles and I think they were trying to figure out that other middle situation Jada Burst has continued to get better and better in her sophomore year and really hit her stride as of late and same goes too for the libero I think that she's really settle in and Allie Nelson and her role and what she's doing and everyone's getting a little bit more comfortable, but you're right. We're, but it also comes down to matchups. Iowa state is always a difficult matchup for them just because they know each other so well, obviously well coached. So I know Kansas went down two sets to none. They came back and won that. And that was critical. And then you can't take anybody lightly in the big 12. I think this is the best the big 12 has looked in the last five, six years, maybe more. So,
1: Jill, let's let's talk a little bit more about the Texas match. Uh,
0: I don't know if we really want
1: to or not, but I think we should. You you kind of mentioned uh, Tori Miller already, um, and I I thought that she had a really good game against Texas, and I it was going to sound kind of weird to say, but I think Madison Rigdon really stepped up in that Texas game. I mean, she's been solid for KU for four years, but I feel like she had a great night yeah. against Texas. Um, can you? kind of talk about those two just over the last week or two yeah. about how how they've been playing better ball.
0: Right. Well, Tori Miller, I mean, she, in their, that rotation, they have a really high percentage. They don't have the most accurate number, but in that rotation, they score a lot of points. It's a good rotation for Kansas, not only because she stands really far back and serves a really tough uh, floater serve that kind of just is like a knuckleball in the air, and she provides defense, solid first contact, ball control aspect. She's also good in middle back defense, and so in her leadership, she's a very calm player if you watch her, just her demeanor, and I think that, you know, that that helps out on the floor, and she's been there for a number of years. She actually played really well in that run to the final four two years ago, And um, so I I think that's been major. Madison Rigdon is playing as one of the most confident outfit hitters in the country. And, well, I mean, for a reason. She, in the last two sets, I know, going off the fifth set against Texas and then the first set last night at Baylor, she had a combined 18 kills in just two sets of volleyball. Granted, set five was only the 15 points, which is incredible. And set number one last night, she had nine kills. And I I, I actually tweeted about it. I said, that's dominating. I I, I will take her on my team any day because she does every skill at a very high level, and she just doesn't get blocked. She finds ways to beat the block. She finds areas on the court, and it might not be at the highest contact. It might not be the most pounding kill. She can put a ball away, though. People underestimate her power. People underestimate how high at a contact point she, she hits, and She's she's incredible. I think no doubt she should be an All-American for the Jayhawks so far. Yeah.
2: yeah. So we, go I, ahead, Andy. What, uh, what has kind of surprised me the most is coming into this year, you know, after last year, everyone was talking about Kelsey Payne and how it was probably going to be, you know, mm-hmm. team coming into the year. But as I've watched more and more this year, it seems like when they need a big kill, when they need a big play, you know, the set goes over to Rigdon to give her an opportunity to make a mm-hmm. big kill. I mean, not that Kelsey Payne, you know, is, is not pulling her weight by any means. I mean, she's still playing phenomenally, but it, it definitely seems like this team is now being defined um, emotionally. And, and, you know, Rigdon is kind of the, the, the leader of the team in terms of determining how they're going to go in any particular match.
0: Yeah, I I think against Texas, you know, in that fifth set, she was really Coach for Sharks say, welcome to the Madison Rigdon show, and it was a true sentiment. It really was. I mean, she got them back into that fifth set when they went down and then kept them in that fifth set, and Kelsey Payne was a little quiet. Granted, you got to give, you got to understand, Kelsey Payne is getting their opponents to set up on her. They're trying to slow her down. She's seeing the best defenders, the best blockers set up against her. They, you know, and she, she's still an All-American player. I mean, not to take any discredit from Kelsey Payne, and she's right. fantastic. But Madison Rigdon is just been that, that that solid person for them night in and night out. And and she hits the back row attack so well. Her stirs. She led the Big 12 and Aces last year. And so she can point score from a uh, serving perspective. She can point score from a back row attacking perspective, front row. She digs the ball well. She primary passes the ball. She actually does everything. She blocks the ball, but set. And then he really has that, right? You know, so it's pretty imp- impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't want to take anything
2: away from pain, but, you know, we, we talk a lot of basketball, and I, I kind of liken it to, you know, if, if you're down – Two at the end of the game, who do you want taking that final shot? Right. And it's, yeah. you know, I was expecting it to be pain in that sort of situation this year, but more and more it seems like they're going to rigged in just because of how dominant she's been.
0: Yeah, no, when, and rallies go on too in the game of volleyball. You think it, as the ball passes over the net, right? It's kind of like in tennis. You oftentimes, a player or set will continue to go to the outside because it's, um, you know, it's a higher tempo ball. It's um, kind of like, you know more of like a, a layup if you will if you want to have an analogy not that it's easy, but oftentimes as rallies go on it's harder to run a faster tempo ball. but anything really makes any set look easy so she'll try to push the middle, she'll try to set you know back you know behind her head and things like that. But oftentimes if you watch and as rallies go typically the set will go to a high outside or for the outside to take it. and you go back two years ago when Kansas, one, you know, went to the final four to the national semifinals and beat USC. It was a very long rally on that set point, uh, on match And it was Madison Rigdon that had that kill too. So, um, I thought that was kind of a pivotal point in her, her career actually.
2: Yeah. I, I hadn't remembered that, that far back to that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely been encouraging to see everyone come along and kind of putting this together. Um, obviously that leaves a lot of questions for next year when, when a lot of these players are gone, but, you know, I think we've got enough in the pipeline that we'll at least be competitive. So.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited. You know, this year you got to think it's, the, the final four is in, in Kansas City, and I think they all know that, right? It was kind of like uh, Nebraska two years ago when the final four was in Omaha. People said, hey, if they could just get to the final four, they'll have such a great crowd. Not that it's a given by any means, but you got to love going and playing in your you know, your backyard, essentially.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be awesome. But let's go ahead and look ahead real quick. Uh, we've got two home matches this week. Texas Tech and Oklahoma are coming into town. Uh, Jill, what do you want to see out of KU in these two, next two matches?
0: Yeah, you know, Texas Tech is, and as more as I talked to the Big 12 coaches this year and even outside the conference, they've gotten a lot of high praises for being the most improved team in the conference. You can't take them lightly. They're, they are very balanced offensively. They have a number of players. They have two players that have over 200 kills, uh, two more that have you know, near that 150 mark on the, on the season, and they're balanced and their coach is, a, you know, he's second year now at Texas Tech. He has some of his own players, and they're playing pretty confident. I know they lost to Texas um, just last night in three at home, but it was 26-24, I believe, in that first set. So you're going to see competitive volleyball, no doubt, from Texas Tech, and they're always known for kind of a great defensive team, and they're going to play so car- – you know, it's just so free coming into to, – Kansas, you know, obviously ranked in the, in the top in the country. They're 11th right now on the poll. But so I, I think that it's going to be high-level volleyball because Texas Tech is very improved. Oklahoma is sitting at the bottom of the Big 12, but they still are, are beating some teams. They put a very tough schedule. Um, Santiago Restrepo, their head coach, has been there for a number of years. Very, very well-respected program. They are a team that you oftentimes see in, in the NCAA tournament-type caliber team. Just recently, you know, they've been an MTA tournament, and so it, they're still high-level volleyball, and that's what you you love about the Big 12 conference is because you're going to get that from top to bottom. And as I as I mentioned, you I, the Big 12 this year is. Um, there's not a lot of difference between teams three through um, nine, in my opinion. I, I think that give or take home or away, a team can take it, and you can't take anybody lightly. Teams have already played Oklahoma on the road and won in four, but Oklahoma was able to take a set away from them, and they haven't faced Texas yet, so it'll be interesting to see how they fare against the Red Raiders.
1: So how excited are you for the uh, this new volleyball facility? It's supposed to be ready in time for next Please. season. Is that, is that right?
0: Yeah, it will be. It's tremendous because it gives the University of Kansas an opportunity to host a regional. So that threshold is 3,000 seats. And, you know, Stuart Horish and his family have been so generous to to Kansas, to the volleyball program, and so grateful. And it's just great things for the program. I mean, when you have the facilities, you get the recruits, right? You get the exposure. You get to host those regional in the NCAA tournament time and, and good things happen through your program. And it's just that next step, you know, um, to the evolution of Kansas volleyball. And I'm stoked. I have seen the renderings, and I'm, I'm so excited. I'm a little sad just because I spent so many hours and black and tears kind of in the, in the old one, but um, it, it's great. It's great for the program. And I look forward to, you know, being there next season and on all the broadcasts. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, because the senior class is, been so important to that evolution and continual evolution to the, to the program, but good things ahead. That actually kind of leads me
1: into one of my next questions and just, can you, and maybe you can't tell yet, I don't know, but has, has the announcement uh, begun to affect Kansas in terms of national perception or recruiting or just in kind of, you know, talking to people in in your, in your profession and your travels around the conference?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a, a ton of respect, and that starts from to shard. He's been such a solid, um, you know, professional in the, for the game of volleyball and an advocate. I mean, he served, He's coached the USA national teams, you know, in, within USA volleyball throughout his career. He's had that exposure. He's been the president of ABCA. And so he has that, that respect from his peers in the community, and he's done it right. You know, he's done it the right way, I and mean, he has this family within Kansas volleyball. And so that just helps. And then when you start, you know, winning at a high level, the the highest winning percentage of of any program of the last three years. I mean, that's impressive. I don't care who, who you are, you know, it's kind of like the chiefs have been winning at such a high percentage, you know, the last couple of years. So it's, um, you know, good good things are going to happen, and then you get those recruits. They've gotten the transfers. They got to transfer all Pac-12 player from from Colorado. They got a transfer in from Arizona State. So that's amazing when you're getting the Pac-12 players to you know transfer in to the Midwest into your program. You know that um, things are shifting.
2: So yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, getting those those kind of players to come in is 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 pretty important. Um, in in terms of recruiting, um, you know we we've, we've seen a lot of schools like Stanford and Texas being very successful by getting, you know, local local recruits um, and being able to hold mm-hmm. on um, what what is that kind of like here in the, in the Kansas City area um, and you know i mean is 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 the talent pool there you know good enough um that they could yeah. make a good living off of recruiting those girls and and how important is it for them to keep them here at Kansas as opposed to trying to find people over in in Texas or, or in other places with a big pool of talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's extremely important, right? I mean, you get the home, you, you, the crowds, you get the fans. I mean, just recently, though, you had Cassie Wade that hails from Gardner, Kansas. She graduated last year. She was a big 12 of the year. And Taylor Schuster, um, from nearby Osawatomie, Kansas. And so you had some local talent just as most as recently as last year. I mean, uh, Addison Berry is from Topeka, Kansas. Tori Miller from out out west um in western kansas and derby so they they have those players you know and um even if they're deemed utility players or things like that it's very important but they have uh they have some talent coming in i know they have a a middle coming in from oliva east and and kaylee carrier they have a a great defensive specialist i had her her match earlier this year from lansing coming in i loved her ball control skills and it's important yeah i mean Texas has just been so dominating on the recruiting front, though. I mean, they just have. And um, I tell Jared all the time when I talk to him, I'm like, man, you got to let some of them go, you know. (laughs) But that's just what you're going to get. I mean, that program has been to eight of the last nine final fours. I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you're in. That's a, a pretty impressive feat, going to eight of the last nine national semifinals. So yeah, I mean that just goes to show you. And when you have recruits go to you know programs like that, but Kansas is getting those. And yeah, they got to get the best out of the area. The Kansas City Metro, I think, is on the rise from a talent perspective. There's a couple of players that went to Minnesota, that are on the Minnesota Gopher team right now and and playing. their top team. They're a top five team. And uh, it comes down to position, though. You know, Madison Lilly is a setter at Kentucky well, we have a a first-team All-American setter right now. So it comes down to age, you know, like when you need that position player, just like it does with any other sport.
1: That's got to be tough to recruit against, too, having a team that's been in eight of the last nine Final Fours in your league. league, um, Yeah, yeah, and, and then they've won the league for however many years in a row until, you know, we finally knocked them out last year. but. Oh, yeah. man, that, that that's, that's got to be weeks, tough, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: you know, you, you just keep finding the good fight, and uh, Jared Elliott has the utmost respect for Coach D, they're good friends, and, and for the program and everything he's done, you know, since he took over and built it to what it is now, and sometimes that evolution just takes a little bit longer. You know, Jared Elliott, Texas volleyball's been good for quite some time, you know, so it, that, that's where they were at when he we went in there, obviously, he's done a sensational job, but give big props to coach B for everything that he's done in his 20 years of coaching. It just takes some time to get, you know, the program on the map to get that respect. And, and that's where they're at right now.
2: Yeah, it sounds good. All right. Well, let's, um, let's go ahead and kind of wrap this up. Uh, for those that aren't really familiar with volleyball and want a chance to kind of tune in to some, to what should be some entertaining. Um, obviously I think the, the, the return match against Texas, is going to rank up high there. But what other big 12 matches are you kind of eyeballing to be exciting matches that, you know, someone new to the sport would would really enjoy watching?
0: Yeah, well, I, I would definitely take a look at, well, all of them. I think they're fantastic, right? But I'm a little <laughs> excited. But, um, this Saturday, first and foremost, it'll be, um, all of them are going to be streamed on the Watch ESPN app. So that's at one o'clock Central Time against Texas Tech on Saturday. And then next Wednesday, as you mentioned, against Oklahoma, it's an evening match at 630. That's so going to be on the Watch ESPN. But I think you, you really tune into that rematch at Iowa State and Ames because Kansas won an epic five-set battle at home. So it'll be interesting to see how that rematch plays out. I also do think that Baylor can push this team. I know we didn't see that last night, but that will make the Bears even more hungry when they come up, come into Lawrence. They're great. They really are a solid team. They, they didn't have everything clicking last night, but I will look to that rematch um, most definitely. So keep an eye on those two, because in the rankings, you know, those are teams that are right there at the top.
2: Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, you know,
2: um, give you just an opportunity here here at the end uh, for those, you know, we've we've enjoyed listening to you on on the broadcast we've been able to catch. So, what's what's the next opportunity? Like, what's what's the next broadcast that you're on?
0: Yes, yeah, Saturday. So Saturday at one p- uh, p.m. Central time, they play the Red Raiders. So tune into that one. It'll be on Spectrum Sports if you're local, or the WatchESPN Act app and then next Wednesday night is a home one so we've been a little quiet recently but um, we have a couple more broadcasts coming up and and tune in you can also go to the the KU Athletics website and find all the upcoming and watch this team I mean it's a I I think I always tell fans I mean cherish these seniors while they're here it's the first time that Kansas has had first team All-Americans we've had All-Americans before but you have first team All-Americans and some of the best players in the country so Come and uh, you know support them and cheer them on, even if it's from afar. They they love it, you know. I I, I actually saw Anita Havili said she knew she made it when Bill Self stopped her in the hallway and congratulated her on being the career assist all-time leader. She's like, I know I made it when he actually knew that I did that, which is really cool. So <laughs> awesome. uh, support the team, help the help the the girls, you know, on this journey and um, show them some love. They're really fun. They're a fun group and. um things are happening. Yeah, I know our
2: uh, official Twitter site for a while had the uh, the name hashtag volleyball school, so we're definitely all in on this volleyball team. Yes!
0: Thank definitely. you! I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, we've
2: we've actually been following and I know I, I try to get more involved with the volleyball team in terms of, you know, tracking them and following them about four or five years ago, um, and it's definitely been a lot easier as they've gotten gotten better and been able to kind of get that that national attention as well, but it's definitely good to see another team that we have here, here at the school having success and, and building themselves into a powerhouse. Right. So we're, we're definitely – I
0: loved it when they made it to the – yeah, they made it to the Final Four, and uh, on that match with USC, it was really late. It was very early, actually, Central Time, but all the people – you know, tweeting. I know um, Ben Heaney was tweeting out. He was obviously on the west coast of the time when he was with the Raiders. But it was cool just to see everybody getting involved and congratulating them. And, and they they know that stuff goes on, you know, and they feel that support and, and that love. And then once they get that and new recruits see that, it, I'm telling you, it's just all movement and things start start steamrolling so everything helps so I appreciate the support to the
2: volleyball program and it's actually funny that you mentioned that that USC match I think that was the first one where we actually got a recap up that wasn't a day later than they had the match actually happened. <laughs> I, was, I was up streaming that I, I believe it was 2 a.m. I was in Florida at the time 2 a.m. yeah and they're watching the final points. so yeah that definitely that's
0: amazing
2: that happened and that's a a, a yeah. good uh, starting point for people to really jump in and, and see all the success that we've had
0: so. yeah i was there 37 weeks pregnant and i was um, on the, the radio broadcast at the time um but i i was you know <laughs> I, I i blamed about on being pregnant but i was so emotional I was crying <laughs> why am i crying but it's just, <laughs> just a pivotal point you know you hang a banner and you know, it's my alma mater and I'm really obviously proud to be a Jayhawk. And so it was, it was great. And I just, you know, I played for coach B and just for him to see reach that point where a lot of coaches never reached that point. And so it was a fun night. I don't think we slept, we slept that night.
1: <laughs> I well, and it was an amazing end to the match too. I mean, if you think about it, you're, you feel like you're down 13 to nine in the fifth. You feel like your yeah. season's almost over. And before you know it, you're playing for a spot in the final four, you're one point away. And, what a, it was yeah. a dramatic point. I mean, it didn't it last something like sixty, ninety seconds. I don't even remember. Yeah, for, and for it, <laughs> yep. it was just so incredible. so, yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah, I think it was the, great. I still can to wait. That i like, I think you had three digs in that that were insane. You know, like one of the best digs I've seen her make. She's like, I don't even know what happened. I don't know what went on. You know, like that's how parents <laughs> were reacting. It was like an out of body experience. And then the next day we're flying back. They have finals and Taylor Susie's studying for a final. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> like you know, I like, didn't even – just moving on, you know. I, I love that story that she was to- totally a student-athlete studying for a final. <laughs> but,
2: All right. Well, thank you for, for joining us tonight, Joe. We'll, we'll we'll definitely have to go yeah. again at some point. Um, you know, maybe Absolutely. we can, maybe well, we can do this, so you know, after they win the Big 12 uh, conference again and we're, and we're getting ready to head into the tournament, right?
0: That sounds good. I'm all for it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, okay.
2: thank you guys, uh, our listeners, for, for tuning in for, for this episode of the podcast. Um, obviously, as we as we talked earlier, we had uh, multiple – or, we you know, we have a lot of uh, stuff going on this weekend. We do have the volleyball match. We have the football game and everything. So we'll definitely have a lot to talk about on Monday. Hopefully we'll have something good to talk about that we'll actually want to. So, yeah. Um, once again, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chop Talk podcast.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.